Anyway, last week I started sharing a series on spiritual warfare, and it, it, some of this came in my heart, as I mentioned, from Rachel Jones' poor, um, post on Facebook about how the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but the church overall hasn't done a really good job with teaching what spiritual warfare is and what it looks like. We've seen some models that have been good, some models that have been bad, and some models that just don't even exist. I mean, it's just... So uh, last week we looked at our battles not against flesh and blood, it's not against human beings, it's not against uh, different people, our battles against is spiritual and against the devil and his demons. That's what it's about. So whether you want to acknowledge the existence of demons or not, that's up to you, but you're going to be in the fight whether you like it or not. So, I mean, we might as well just have, we might as well be educated from the smartest person being there is, and that's God. And if God says this is the way it is, that's just the way that it is. I mean, that's how I feel. So um, we also looked at how our weapons are not worldly weapons. They're not sarcasm. They're not guns. They're not uh, M16s or anything else. They are wep- they're spiritual weapons, and they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds or demonic castles. They're mighty. Uh, we hear sometimes people say, all we can do now is pray. And I get that sometimes, uh, and it's said, in, it's sometimes said in faith, and sometimes it's said in absolute defeatism and doubt and unbelief, like, I'm, I, like it's a punishment. All we can do now is pray. Well, my gosh, you need to know who God is. That's all you can do is pray? My, well, that's all you can do is pray? Have you ever met God before? Have you met him? Have you had any encounter with the Lord before? No, he's pretty massively huge. It's not all you can do is pray. Come on, somebody. You get what I'm saying? Now, I mean, I know sometimes we get to the place where that's, the doctors can't help or this can't help, but it's not the end of the road. All you can do is pray. The worst thing that can ever happen in your life is you die, and guess what? You get a graduation ceremony. You get to go to heaven. It's not all that bad. Amen? It's not that bad. We get a promotion no matter what we do. We can't lose no matter what, amen, if we're in Christ. So we also look briefly at the armor of God and how God has given this armor to help us win these spiritual battles. We just looked at that briefly last week. Today I want to look at it a little deeper about the armor of God and see how this armor can help us win these spiritual battles that we are facing. So um, first, in order to win a battle, we have to recognize when we're actually in one, Okay. That's a key part. If uh, We must have wisdom and discernment to recognize, is this a spiritual battle or is this just a natural challenge that we sometimes go through in life? You know, some people, they over-spiritualize everything and everything's a demon and everything's the devil did this, the devil's going to get me, and the devil made me do this, the devil made me do that. And those, some of those people have a massive devil and a little tiny God. I know, I mean, the, the, the car breaks down, it, it was a devil. They ran out of gas, it was a devil. Their tires go flat, it was a devil and all these things. And it was like, Really? I, I mean, is that? I mean, I guess he could do that, maybe. But we looked at last week. His main target isn't our car. His main target is our souls, is our mind, will, and emotions. It could be just your car needs an oil change. It could be just you neglected your car. It could be your car has three hundred thousand miles on it. Maybe it just died. It could be you should have put gas and oil and, ch- and changed the tires or air in the tires. It could be just you. And we blame the devil sometimes for things that it wasn't the devil, it wasn't a demon that sat outside and pushed the button and lowered the air. And I really doubt that happened, okay? Could he do it? Maybe, but uh, I doubt that's what's going on. Not every challenge you face is spiritual. Sometimes some things are just challenging and they're difficult in their heart. And Jesus said this in John 16, He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
So no matter what trouble you face, you can still have peace in the middle of that storm, peace in the midst of that trouble that's going on. Not all trouble is demonic. So on the flip side, there's others who are oblivious to any kind of spiritual attack. They're oblivious to anything going on in the spirit realm. They just think everything's natural. Everything has natural consequences or a natural source when it comes into your life. So they get hit with sickness, oppression, depression, pain, other spiritual things that can be spiritual. I'm not saying they're always spiritual, but they can be spiritual. And their only thought is, I wonder what I ate bad last night. Maybe I had some bad pizza. Or maybe I got food poisoning over here or food poisoning over there. And guess what? That could be it. But it could also be you're being spiritually attacked. And you have to have wisdom and discernment. God, which one is this? Is this an attack or is this bad pizza? All right, because you can handle them two different ways, right? You, get, you can put some Tums in your stomach to help with the bad pizza. Tums in your stomach is not going to help you with the spiritual attack. All right, people go to the doctor and they're, they get all kinds of medicine to try to relieve this and relieve that. And, you know, I'm not against medicine. I'm not against science and things like that. But there isn't a scientist out there. There isn't medicine out there that's going to help you with a demonic attack. It isn't going to work. Okay, it might make you feel better, the medicine. It might actually make you feel worse, right? You see those commercials. They stopped even showing all the side effects because the commercial, they couldn't afford the commercial that'd be long enough to list all their side effects in that commercial with some of the medications they put out there. So it can make you feel better. Sometimes it does. It can make you feel worse. But when you stop taking that medication, guess what's happened? The stuff's still there. It's still there because it was a spiritual battle, and you can't win a spiritual battle with medication. Okay, so we need wisdom and discernment to ask the Lord when it's a spiritual battle and when it's actually just a natural challenging situation you're going through. So a good thing to do is just take some time and pray and say, Holy Spirit, is this a spiritual battle or is this just a natural challenge I need to go through? Because there's two different ways you're going to handle that. All right. Uh, a natural challenge, you're going to suck it up and get some help and do whatever. I mean, walk through it, walk through it in faith, praise God, shout your way through whatever you're going through. But if it's a spiritual battle, some of those battles can be taken care of in just a few moments. Like a quick little prayer can handle some of those things. Sometimes it's more challenging. But if we're, again, if we're going to just take it with medicine, medicine isn't going to fix a spiritual condition. Amen? You guys good? I'm not against medicine, not against doctors, but it just will not help you if it's a spiritual thing. So we need to be sensitive to how our heart is feeling. And uh, when our heart feels heavy, if it feels strange, it feels weird, that's a good time to ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, why am I feeling this way? Is it just I'm worried about my friend or my daughter or whatever? Is that what this is? Or is this a spiritual actual attack where something's shot an arrow at me and I need to do something about it? Okay? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The word wellspring can be translated seasons, so out of your heart flows the seasons of your life. He said, Above everything that you do, guard your heart. you got to guard what you allow to be put in here. Above everything. Because whatever you put in here is going to come out of there, right? Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak, and your feelings are going to be directly connected to what's in your heart and what's coming out of your mouth, okay? I love how the Passion Translation words this, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Just added a few more things to it, but it says, above all, guard the affections of your heart. Pay attention to the things you're passionate about. And why are you passionate about those things? 
Are they things that God wants you to be passionate about? Is there a little bit more passion here than there should be? Pay attention to those things. And it says, for it will affect all that you are. And then it says, pay attention to the welfare of your inmost being. When your inmost being doesn't feel healthy, it feels heavy, it feels oppressed, it feels like, like a deflated river. You need to be sensitive to what our heart is feeling and ask Holy Spirit, why am I feeling this way? Okay, you guys do that? I hope so. If you don't, start today. Um, we can't afford to ignore how we're feeling in our hearts because those feelings will affect all that we are. It will affect the seasons of our life. And sometimes those feelings are coming from a spiritual attack against us. And those feelings can be also be helpful. can be a reminder to go ask Holy Spirit, why am I feeling this way? Don't just stay so busy you don't have time to ask God what this is. You felt it at 9 in the morning, but you press through to this appointment and that appointment and this luncheon and this meeting and that this and go pick up the kids and go do this stuff. And then it's 10 o'clock at night, you figure out what you were feeling then and you still feel that and even heavier, but now it's bedtime. You don't want to talk about it bedtime with your wife or pray about it because you don't want to just dig it back up again because you're just going to let it go. And then one day turns into two days or three days or four days. The next thing you know, you've got a hard heart. You've got a heart condition. There's a heart thing. The Bible talks a lot about the conditions of our heart. Uh, it talks about a cheerful heart. It says there's a discerning heart, a happy heart, a peaceful heart, a pure heart, a trusting heart, and a wise heart. But we also see there's a corrupt heart, a deceitful heart, evil heart, hardened heart, a haunty heart, lusting heart, proud heart, heart that devises wicked schemes, heart that rages against the Lord, a heavy heart, and a sick heart. The enemy's bullseye, like I mentioned last week, is our hearts. In the area of our heart he's targeting specifically is our soul, which is our mind, our wills, and our emotions. If you are feeling downtrodden, you're feeling this heaviness in your heart, there's a very good chance you don't need medication. There's a very good chance you need a touch from the Lord. A very good chance you might be under a spiritual demonic attack that you might need to be prayed for to get it broken off your life. But as long as we think those things don't exist nowadays, that just, that just went away with whatever, you're going to go through your whole life feeling that way when you don't have to. You don't have to. I feel spiritual stuff coming against me. I felt it even during worship, stuff I was feeling, distractions coming to my mind, or, or even things I needed to remember. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say this, or I should have did this. I'm like, ah, shut up in Jesus' name. I'm worshiping Jesus here. I mean, I tell myself to shut up. I don't know if it's the devil or me or what, but either way, they're both going to shut up. <laughs> I'm, just gonna, I'm praising Jesus here. Be quiet. Shut up. Be still and know he's God. I'm telling you, sometimes you got to do that. Because you can get so busy, your heart gets weary. The Bible talks about weary and well-doing. We can get weary. So he targets our mind, will, and our emotions, and he shoots these fiery darts or arrows at us. And uh, without, rec without even recognizing these things, it can be a major win for him. So if he can shoot these things at you any day he wants to, and there's no shield of faith, there's no armor, there's no defense against it, no anything. You just walk around with all these like 50, 60 arrows stuck in your chest and a bunch more stuck in your back. It's a win for him. You're still saved. You're still going to heaven. But he's winning these battles over things that he doesn't need to have victory over because we're just letting him win through ignorance. Are you okay? Hope so, because I'm saying this to help you. No weapon formed against you will prosper unless you just ignore it. Unless you don't stand up against it. Unless you don't fight the good fight of faith. There's a part you have to play. There's a part you have to play. Okay? It's not just someone else's job. We hired the, this guy to do that. We hired the pastor to do that. We hired the police to do this. We hired the military to do this. No, you, you are the military. You are the police of your life and your family. You are the one that takes care of that stuff. That's your job. Amen? You can't pass that on to somebody else. 
Let's look at Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18 together. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to take your stand against the wiles or methods of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to, able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, uh, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet, having your, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, above all, meaning above everything else, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all, 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 every single one. The devil is not more powerful. It's a lie. You are more powerful in Christ. He's not more powerful. He's defeated, amen, by Jesus. All the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So our spiritual warfare isn't just about us. We can also do it for each other and for the saints. I want to go to uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 now. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of this world, they're not fleshy. They are mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The devil is going after your knowledge of God. Do you see that? Against the knowledge of God. Verses. It's like, uh, you know, Carolina's playing. Who are they playing today? I don't know. Do they play anyone know? They're playing somebody today. Terry, you must know. Who? They're playing the Redskins. Well, the Washington team, I guess it's called now. Uh, whatever. They're playing the Washington team today. Yeah. Yeah, playing Washington. So uh, today. And uh, now, <laughs> so they're against the Panthers against Washington, okay? And the, the battle for us is against our thoughts. Every high thing that is in knowledge itself against the knowledge of God. It's God's thoughts and the enemy's thoughts, and the battlefield is in our mind. It's in our mind. And you have to take captive every thought and make those thoughts obedient to Christ's thoughts. You can't meditate on darkness, meditate on evil, meditate on woe is me and fearful things and think you're going to have peace in your heart. It's not going to work that way. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So uh, there's a lot of things mentioned in those verses. I just want to point out a few things here. And um, I don't know how many weeks I'm going to do this actually telling you the truth because the more I do it, the more stuff God keeps downloading into me. And uh, I um, was ministering to a 72-year-old guy on, through Zoom on oh, Friday, I think it was. And I just said to him, like he's telling me all his stuff that he's been going through. I said, has anyone taught you how to fight? Is what he mean? I said, do you have any clue how to do any kind of spiritual warfare? No. He was a pastor uh, for many years, uh, still preaches when he can. He's in retirement now. Hey, no one never taught him. And you know what I did? I never even really did sozo with him. I preached the word to him for about an hour and 20 minutes. I gave him scripture over all, and told him some personal testimonies and stories, which I'll share with you guys later. Just said, this is how you fight your battle. I love that song. There's a lot more than, more than that song. And it is a good song. There's other words to it. But the only part I really remember is this is how I fight my battle. And there's a lot to that. There's more than just singing. It's a part of it. But there's a lot to it. Sometimes it's praying in the Holy Ghost. It's praying in tongues sometimes. And that's what it said in Ephesians. It said that. 
The seventh weapon was, was praying in the Spirit. So either you're praying in tongues or the Spirit's led you how to pray uh, into that way. So I'll share more about that, uh, gentlemen, that time later. But the first, verse, the first verse we read, verse 11, said, Put on the whole armor of God. We must be saved in order to wear this armor. We have to put it on. God puts it on for us when we get saved. So this is to protect us and help us win this fight. But verse 13 said, take up the whole armor of God. So 11 said, put it on. 13 said, take it up. It's one thing to have it on. If you're not going to take it up, it's not going to do you much good. It's like having a Bible in your, ha- in your house. It's not going to do you any good unless you pick it up and put it in your hand at least. And then from there, you've got to actually open it. And from there, you're going to have to read it. And there, you're going to have to speak it out of your mouth. Having it just laying there is going to be just collecting dust. It's not going to do any good. And the armor is the same way. If you're not using it, if you're not understanding how it works, it's on you, but it's not doing much good at all. All right? So uh, I want to look a little deeper at the armor of God. We have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, and praying in the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to get through all seven of these today, so you know, so if I take longer on one, which I'm definitely going to take longer on righteousness, um, I'm doing it on purpose, so you know, I'm not going to do all seven of these today. So I get, I say point three, and you know there's seven, like, oh my gosh, we're going to get out of here at three o'clock. No, I'm going to do, I'm going to save some for next week. So I want you to put that picture up for me, uh, the first one of, from the uh, Chosen show, uh, the series there. It's Jesus and some of the soldiers. You can see them wearing what Paul would have seen in his day, roughly what the armor of God kind of looked like for, for, uh, in his mind. Can you go to the next one, please? Yeah, so I can't remember this guy's name in the show, but even though he's supposed to be a bad guy, I kind of like him in the show, but <laughs> he's a likable character. But you can see he's wearing a type of armor of God. Now, in today, uh, our modern war, and today just how life has changed, that armor there wouldn't do us much good in military battles today. I mean, it just, it's like, you know, like, see ya, <laughs> it's over. But today our armor might look like this next picture. Want to show this next one? So, yeah, look at these guys. I mean, they're like, they look like uh, something out of Star Wars. And, uh, you know, and we got the body armor, different shoes, helmet, shield, all that kind of stuff. They got some serious protection on them. Whatever the armor looks like in a spirit realm, it's spiritual. So if it looks like Paul's day, if it looks, if you, that makes you feel more comfortable. If you think you got some bulletproof body armor on, whatever. It's spiritual armor, and the point remains the same. We need to be wearing these things. So with the armor of God, there's some things I want to highlight here, some key words. The first word is truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the Spirit. This is what our armor is about in a fight. It's about, it's about the truth. It's about righteousness. It's about peace. Remember, righteousness, uh, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's about faith. It's about salvation. And it's about the Spirit. Those are the key words in that, in that armor was listed there. All these are major factors in our spiritual journey. All of them are. In the same way the Old Testament were types and shadows pointing to Jesus, this armor in the New Testament is types and shadows pointing to Christ. Jesus is our armor. I don't know if you ever thought of that, if you ever knew that. He is the helmet of salvation. Amen. He is the sword of the Spirit. He is the shield of faith. He is all those things. He is those things. But we have to see it and acknowledge it so we recognize it. You don't have wimpy armor. God himself made your armor. Okay? It's amazing. So I want to show you this first one, the belt of truth. 
The belt of truth was the first piece of armor that soldiers usually put on. Sometimes they put on their shoes first. You might have a preference yourself, pants or shoes first, whatever. But uh, we're going to look at them in the order they were in the Bible. But, <laughs> but without truth, none of these other pieces of armor will do you any good. Amen? If you don't know the truth, it won't matter if you're holding a sword, a shield, a helmet, whatever. If you don't know the truth, it's a truth that sets us free. Amen? We have to know the truth. And everything, everything in our spiritual life hinges on us knowing the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you can't be born again. You can't come to the Father. You can't know truth without knowing Jesus. People say truth is relative. I say truth is Jesus. Truth is Jesus. So, and also part of knowing the truth is pivotal to our spiritual growth, and it's pivotal to us being saved. Jesus said in John 8.32, And you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Or you will know Jesus, and knowing Jesus is going to make you free. It's knowing him. Not knowing just about him. It's knowing him. It's good to be able to quote the stories and the parables and different things. It's good to know your Bible, but it's good to know him too. It's good to know the author. So the truth of God's word is pivotal to our salvation our freedom, our spiritual growth, and is pivotal to the effectiveness of our spiritual warfare. If you believe you're defeated, guess how you're going to live? If you believe your armor is weak, guess how you're going to live? If you believe you're going to sin every day in mind, thought, and deed, guess how you're going to live? If you believe the gifts are not for today, guess how you're going to live? If you guess your face not any good, guess how you're going to live? Uh, what the truth that you know and believe is going to absolutely affect every part of our lives. Every part of our lives. For example, uh, when the enemy tries to do warfare against this truth, uh, he fires these arrows at us like, are you sure God really loves you? This is, this is one that he starts with right the very first day you receive Christ. And he will never stop shooting that arrow until you do something about that arrow. Until you do something about it. Are you sure God really loves you? Are you sure God really forgave you? And you have to fight these spiritual attacks with truth. It can't be just... I deny that in Jesus' name. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Well, that's, that's an okay thing to do. But you're going to do better by speaking the truth that's directly counteractive to that arrow point that it was trying to make to you. If you don't know that you're actually saved, you need to strengthen yourself where you're weak. Strengthen yourself where you're weak is by getting in the Word and all the verses that talk about how you're forgiven, all the verses that talk about uh, how you're saved by grace through faith, all the verses, you, you sit there and you meditate on them and you chew on them and you eat them and you just listen to what God says to you too. Next time that arrow shot at you, just went, bing, just bounces off you like nothing. Like, whatever. Like, I mean, I'm so saved. <laughs> I'm saved to the uttermost, he said. I can't be saved anymore. I mean, I'm absolutely positively saved, sanctified, set apart, holy unto God forever. Amen. And so if you're getting that arrow shot at you, we got to do something about that. Amen. All right. So the next one we're going to look at is the breastplate of righteousness. And the truth about righteousness is key to our spiritual growth and protection. It's absolutely key. Because if we do not understand that we have right standing with God right now through Jesus, we're going to be susceptible to every attack he shoots our way. Every lie, every trick, uh, you're not righteous, you're not saved, look at how you live, look at what you do, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's not about what I do. I'm not saved because I preach or teach. I'm saved because of what Jesus did. I'm just part of the body of Christ doing my part. You're doing your part, I'm doing my part, but we're all saved the same way, by grace, through faith, what Jesus did for us. Amen? So knowing that is pivotal. 
And, I, uh, and it said, notice the, the breastplate of righteousness over our hearts. And remember what it said? Uh, above all else, guard your hearts. Well, righteousness is something that's going to guard and protect your heart. In the New Testament, God provided spiritual body armor to help guard and protect our hearts from these wa- the warfare of the enemy to make you doubt that you are actually righteous. To make these other theologies come in and say, you need to say you're a worm. You need to say you're, you're nobody, you're a loser, you're, you can, you're whatever. You need to say this. No, you need to speak what the Word of God says. I mean, if you want the armor to work, amen, you got to do it God's way. So the armor that guards and protects our hearts is known as the knowledge of righteousness, the knowledge of our right standing with God. I can't overemphasize this enough, how important it is to know you, are, you have right standing with God now, today, if you're in Christ, if you're born again. You have right standing today because of Jesus. Not because you go to church, not because you tithe, not because you do anything good or you honor your father and mother. All those things are good to do. But you are righteous today because of Jesus and only because of Jesus. That was a really weak amen. Uh, I mean, I'll have to preach this every week if I don't give better than that. But I'm just saying... That's the only reason. It's the only reason. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. You will never be declared righteous in God's sight. You might look righteous to your church neighbor, your friend down there. That's a really righteous brother there. He, does, he volunteers so much time at the church. He does all these things. He does, and guess what? You might look good to men, but you're not looking good to God. The only way you can look good to God is to get your heart right with Christ says, rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. You can obey the Ten Commandments. You can do all those things, every other law in the Bible, and it will never make you righteous. You can have them all memorized. You can be a Pharisee of Pharisees, like, they, like Jesus ran into the Old Testament. It will never, no one was declared righteous through that. And they never will be, amen? The very next verse, so many people know Romans 3.20. The next two verses, I think John Ray said that on Tuesday night when we were doing discipleship class. The next two verses, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. So we couldn't do it through works, but there's now a way to become righteous, and it's not through the law. It's revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It means the Old Testament prophets and the law talked about a day coming where men would be righteous, or even the righteous of God, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Uh, I don't know if you hear me, you're hearing me like the... um, the, the teacher and Charlie Brown or what, but uh, uh, I hope not. But I'm just saying that because of what Jesus did, our faith in what he did for you is what makes you righteous, not your good works. We're saved unto good works. We're not saved through good works. He has good works prepared in advance for us to do, but we do them at, because we're saved, not to get saved. Amen? There's a huge difference. So uh, the way to become righteous is not by observing the law. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Hebrews 10, uh, 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We believe unto righteousness. Do you see that? You believe unto righteousness. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. In Romans 5, 17, it says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through that one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We believe under righteousness and we receive the free gift of righteousness. It is a gift, amen? Right stand with God is a gift. So when the enemy is coming at you to cause you to try to doubt that you're saved, 
that doubt you're the righteous of God, you need to have these words hidden in your heart. You need to have this armor on. So you're ready to say, I'm righteous by what I do. I'm righteous by what Jesus did. And you confess the word. Like this next verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And Jesus became sin so you can become righteous. Guys, this is your breastplate of righteousness. This is part of your armor of God is knowing who you are in Christ, knowing the finished work of Jesus, knowing he is perfected forever, your spirit one time by one sacrifice forever. That's how you fight. That's how you fight. It's by knowing Christ. He is that armor, but it's not going to do you any good if you don't agree with God's word. Your feelings are fickle. They'll change. I, I mentioned this to the man I was witness, ministering to online. I said, you can watch a movie, and your feelings could change 15 times in the movie. You went from fear to hate this guy. Oh, I like this guy. I like this character. Oh, no, this person's in trouble. And your, your heart's going like this in this movie. It, your heart does that all day long. The only way to establish our heart in faith is what did God say? And what did he say about you? He says, you are now the righteous God through Christ. I'll tell you what, it takes faith to believe that. It takes faith to say it. If you want to walk around your house feeling guilt, condemnation, and shame from the enemy's weapons and attacks he's shooting your way, God's not going to stop you. He will not stop you. You can walk around all day sucking your thumb, feeling sorry for yourself, moping around, oh, it's me, I'm having a bad day, and I'm, I'm not trying to belittle somebody or anything, I don't, I don't have anybody in mind. I'm just saying, you want to pull up your bootstraps and fight the good fight of faith, you've got to let the word of God come out of your mouth. You've got to let it come out of your mouth. No, he became sin, who knew no sin, so I can be righteous. I am the righteous God through Christ. It's case dismissed. Jesus did it every time. It is written. It is written. If you need to say it is written to help you mentally say it, say it is written in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that Jesus became sin so I could be righteous. Since he did it, I am. Amen. Are you guys good? Hope you're good. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to empower you to win wars. Because they're coming whether you're ready for them or not. It's peekaboo. Ready or not, here I come. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, we need to clear out of our mouth, I am the righteousness of God through him. It's not pride. It's not arrogance. It's truth. It's just truth because Jesus said so. All right, next one. Having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. I don't use the word shod very often, so I, I need to look that one up. And it basically means wearing or being protected by well-fitting or high-quality shoes. Now, I want to show you these high-quality shoes they're referring to here. Can you put that picture of the shoes up? Those are some high-quality shoes they're referring to there. And even, even back in the day, that's pretty impressive. They've got the little spikes, little cleats on the bottom of the shoes for traction when they're fighting and stuff. And they better, I guess they got to make sure their toenails are cut because they don't have much protection there. But um, today's shoes are a lot better than what they had back then, right? But these shoes would have been the Air Jordans of their day. This would have been only you know, military guys would have nice shoes like those. But what are shoes for? Shoes are to protect our feet from stepping on Legos in your house and at home. Like, oh my gosh, it's like, oh, is there pain worse than that? I guess there probably is, but you step on a Lego in the dark. It doesn't matter if it's your toes or your heel. And you're sending, you're getting shooting pain going into your body uh, from that. You step on, you know, little pebbles or rocks. You step on sticks or broken glass, things like that, or things the dog left in your yard. Uh, you, you don't want to step on those in your bare feet. There's a reason we wear shoes, right? It's to protect our feet from stepping on things we don't want to step on. We also wear them for warmth. And today, those shoes are also an expression of our style and fashion and things like that. But the main purpose 
of our shoes that we wear is to help us go from one place to another. Help us, if I'm going to go from here to there, going outside, I'm going to go let the dog in or out. Usually I want to wear shoes because of obvious reasons. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, but there's different shoes for different occasions. I don't want to wear combat boots to the beach. And I don't want to wear flip-flops in the tundra. In the same way, we have to put on the shoes, the sandals, the, the shoes that God wants you to wear. And those shoes he wants you to wear is be prepared. Be prepared to carry his peace. Carry his peace wherever you go. You're moving. You're moving. Your shoes are moving. You want, it's not about peace shoes, like you can put a peace sign on your shoes. You've got to carry peace with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, you've got to carry his peace. God is telling us here, in order for us to be prepared and go about our life, to move from one location to another, we must have the right kind of shoes on. We must have on shoes that uh, bring us peace. Imagine being in a, a battle, in a war, and you had no shoes on, like they're talking about here. All you have to do to win, to this guy, I'm going to just step on his toe. Like, just like, I'm, I'm just gonna, it's over. He steps on, he's in his bare foot, he steps on a rock. Oh, don't hurt me now. I have to wait, wait a minute. Don't punch me right yet. I, I stepped on a rock. We got to, I mean, saying, sometimes our fights with the enemy are as, as weak as that is because we don't have peace. Peace is a weapon. Peace is a weapon. And you be prepared with peace. How do you get in peace? You got to spend time with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Peace I leave you, my peace I gave you. you. We are called to walk in peace. Amen? Luke 2, 13 and 14, it says, And suddenly there was the angel of, excuse me, the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Now, this is a verse we almost always just read at Christmas time. But you look at the prophetic declaration of what the angel was saying here. There's now peace that God's releasing between God and man. He didn't say he's releasing peace between man and man. That's another challenging thing. Because you can have peace towards somebody else. That doesn't mean they have peace towards you. That's why he said in Romans 12, 18, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So I can have peace towards you, but if you don't have peace towards me, there's nothing I can do about that. Nothing you can do about that. But God's saying, I give my peace towards you. He has given us peace towards us. He's not looking for reason to punish us or whatever. He has given us his peace. There's no war now between us and, and, and heaven, between God and us, okay? So the, uh, uh, this amazing peace doesn't just affect our feet. It's intended to go with us everywhere we go. Isaiah uh, 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Amen. What we meditate on is going to affect our peace level. Amen? It is going to. No matter whether we like it or not, it's just going to. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, And a peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ. He gave us his peace, and it can guard our hearts and our mind in Christ, but it's only going to work if we meditate on the truths that God has given us. Amen? So we see peace on our feet here. We saw peace in our minds. We saw peace guarding our hearts. Okay, I think I think in the church, it's just a thought that uh, we've given up our peace for other stuff. Like we haven't valued what it actually means to have the peace of Jesus in our home or peace of Jesus when you're walking down the road or in, in a store or whatever. I think of the Moravians that had the um, you know, 110 year, 24 hour prayer movement. It's amazing what they did. And uh, they got to know God. 
So they're on this ship coming from uh, Germany, I think it was, over to America. And John Wesley and Charles Wesley were on the, the ship with them. If you haven't heard of John and Charles, they're uh, amazing guys in the Methodist movement. They wrote a lot of songs that you guys sing, and uh, used to sing anyway. And they, uh, but John and Charles were really afraid on the ship, and the Moravians were not afraid. They just had, they had peace. It looked like the ship might sink. It looked really bad, and they're just praying. They're quiet. They didn't look like they were afraid at all, and John and Charles were terrified, and they admitted it. They go, Will you please, and they're, they're already ministers at the time. They're already writing songs at that time. They go over to the Moravians and say, will you please pray for us? <laughs> and they did, and their lives were totally changed through the Moravians. But um, there's a peace you can have in the middle of a storm. I'll tell you, one time I was in a car accident, and I'm not recommending you do this, but um, my brother and sister-in-law were in the front of the car, and I always wear my seatbelt, but this time I wasn't. I was in the back seat, I was in the middle, and they were just going through a challenging time, and I was trying to minister to them and encourage them. I was still in college, and, and uh, it was Christmas time, it was snowing, and it was like there was probably like six, eight inches on the road, slush everywhere, very few cars out, but in Canada, they keep going. They just, they just do, they keep going. And there's this big river on our side, like probably a mile wide type of river, and two lanes of traffic. And she's driving along, and uh, I'm, not, I'm leaning forward talking to them, and I'm not wearing my seatbelt. And all of a sudden, she starts fishtailing. There's a car coming this way. She's fishtailing like this. And we crashed into this really nice um, Cadillac and crashed into it. Fortunately, didn't go off into the river, and neither did they. It was a pretty bad accident. And we were protected. She was screaming. Robin was screaming. And I was just sitting there like, hmm. I, I can't really describe it. I was not afraid for a second. I just had the peace of God on me like, hmm, this is not going to. I'm like, we're okay. God's, in, God's here with us. God's with us. I, I mean, I wasn't even, I always wear my seatbelt, but I wasn't. I can't remember even feeling an ounce of fear or anxiety in a car accident because the peace that passed all of was guarding my heart and my mind in Christ. Now, I'm not recommending you drive around without your seatbelt, okay? That's not the point of the story. I'm just saying that you can have peace everywhere you go. You can have it everywhere. In any situation, you can have it. So I want to... Um, so it's not just for your feet, it's for your movement from place to place. I'm going to finish with this one, the shield of faith. I could talk about faith forever. A uh, long, long time, I'm not going to do that because you guys heard me talk about faith a lot here. But I'm going to just mention a few things from this, these verses. Ephesians 6, 16 says, above all, remember it said, above all, guard your heart. Now it says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Our first line of defense is our shield of faith. And I actually have a little prop here. I found this up in the storage room from back in the day when they used to do... Uh, did he make it? I didn't know if it was for a Christmas play and they forgot the verse or something. They wrote it on the back in case they had to recite their line. You know, it's right here in the back. But they got this little bowl of soup here on the front and it's somehow cooked the, glued to the front and a little handle here for your hand. But the shields look something like this. They're kind of wrapped around you and it help protect you when you're fighting. So it's not just straight on, but even from some side attacks. And you can move this shield, whether it's coming this way or this way. This is your first line of defense against these arrow, arrows, is the shield of faith. So if our first line of defense is our faith, guess what we need to have faith in? God and his word. Amen? Now if it gets by this, if you've developed your armor, it can hit your spiritual armor, you're still going to be okay. If you haven't developed that armor, those arrows are going to stick, they're going to hurt, and they're going to bring you down. Okay? I am not talking about your salvation. If you're saved, you're saved. Okay, I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about your soul prosperity, okay? I'm talking about winning the spiritual battles that we, we go against. So um, uh, naturally carrying around this wooden thing, this shield, or, a, or even a metal shield, isn't going to do us much good against spiritual weapons and arrows. So it would be useless for us. So uh, um, what is this saying about our faith? Faith like a shield. That every battle we face, every arrow shot our way, we can win every war with faith. Every arrow can go out with faith, okay? Faith in what? Faith in God. Faith in his love for you. Faith in your right standing with God. Faith in his word. Faith in his protection. Um, I remember I said earlier that all of these pieces are armor, are, are a piece of armor point to Jesus, okay? So I want to show you how Jesus is our shield. He's our shield. So it's not like, I mean, Dave Mark, did. he said he made this, he did a great job. So I'm not making fun of his shield, but this isn't going to protect us from demons or arrows that come their way, all right? But Jesus can. All right, Genesis 15, 1. says, But after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I am your shield. Okay? Psalm 3, 3. But you, O Lord are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. He is our shield. Psalm 18.30, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. The way of the Lord is proven, and he's a shield to all who trust in him. And one more, Psalm 91, verse 4, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Now, a buckler is just a, basically a smaller shield that they would have on their arm while they're fighting close battles. This, is, this would be the regular shield, like a wraparound shield. The buckler is a smaller one they wear on their arm while they're fighting with the, the small sword. So Jesus is both. He's the one that's going to help you in close hand-to-hand -hand combat. He's the one that's going to help you when arrows are coming and launched at you from a far distance away. But he's still the one that's going to shield and protect your heart. And how he's going to do it is you fill your heart with the word of God. And what's going to come out is his word. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is powerful. So the word of God, faith in God, all those things is all part of your spiritual armor. Okay? So we'll look more at this in the weeks to come. Uh, I know I went through a lot. I probably did it really fast, but that's just me. I do. I get excited sometimes. <laughs> but uh, hopefully you get it. If you didn't, you can list it again or whatever, or I can give you my notes. But God wants us to win these battles. He doesn't want us just to sit back and not recognize, discern a spiritual fight. When it's a spiritual fight, we just get hit with these attacks or these things when we could easily win when we fight the right way. Amen? You're destined to win. You're destined for greatness, amen? Amen. I got three of you that believe. Amen. You're destined to win. Not just when you die. What kind of fight will that be when you're dead? There's not much fighting then. It's already finished. The fight, the good fight of faith, is for the land of the living. It's for the here and now. We fight the good fight of faith, okay? So we're going to win a whole lot more of those battles when we're fighting with faith and when we, when we don't use any faith, amen? So... We're going to take uh, communion together as a, as a body. If I can have 